from Parts Unknown. This is the Art of Floundering Podcast. Wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. Peace and love and welcome to the Art of Floundering Podcast. My name is Will Dick. I'm the host of this here clam bake. This is a special series. Currently, I'm awaiting pretty major spinal surgery. Today's date is the 4th of August, 2022. The surgery will be on September 26, 2022. Hopefully. Specifically, this surgery, which will be my ninth spinal surgery, I believe, I get confused, is a T10 pelvis posterior fusion, T12 and L2 pedicle subtraction osteotomy. So that's the name of it. Now we'll get more into the details throughout this series. But between now and when I go to surgery, I want to attempt to do something. But before I get into that, a couple disclaimers. To some that really don't know me or understand my approach, they may believe I'm negative or I'm too critical of myself. And that's valid, but we all have our ways of navigating tough times. What somebody may view as critical, I may view as just owning my stuff, and I do have a tendency to make fun of myself. That's just my sense of humor. So having said that, I want to get that out of the way. Now, I'm going to talk about my attitude right now. Make no mistake about it, regardless of the topics I get into or how dark slash negative they may appear. There has never been a time that I have ever allowed myself to doubt that I'm somehow going to be able to get out of this situation. So I want to make sure that's clear up front. Because getting back to the purpose of this series, I've run across a lot of people, you know, since this, that have these traumatic accidents or life catches up with them. But they have these horrific injuries that are debilitating. And on top of that, the pain is horrific. It is all-consuming. I used to feel like people that talked about pain were bitching. You know, I'm, there is a level where it truly, it dominates. It, 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 it robs you of your sanity. It robs you of your health. And it slowly kills you. I'm talking about that level of pain. Now, we're not, I don't want to get into comparisons. All of us struggle. All of us have challenges. It's the point of all this. But the pain, if I were to be honest with you, we're going to get to where I'm at in life. You know, it, it's a battle. Every day is a challenge for me. I am unable to sit in a chair for more than an hour. Um, if I play guitar for more than 10 minutes, I'm going to really, it's bad. I spend most of my time laying 
flat on my back in a bed that's right next to everything. People with these injuries understand everything is right by me. I like podcasting and working with this because it takes my mind off of my situation. But I have it real close to me, so if I have to lay on my back, I could still try to do something. But I digress. The point is, and the reality is, this situation sucks. And up until recently, there was no hope. So, it is one of those situations where you could really have that takeover and really go to some very dark places in your head. I'm not saying that any of this is not justified, because I will tell you, while I may be able to get through the next 10 minutes, man, this life is not sustainable. I, it's, it, you know, there's going to be a point where I'm going to say, look, if we can't do anything about it, let's just pull the trigger here. And I'm just keeping it real. I battle getting into that mindset. I haven't allowed myself to entertain it. But at the same time as I recognize that put the reality. So that's kind of where I'm talking about. These situations are hopeless. But there can be a little nuance in there. To make them not perfect. Not pain free. Just a little less bullshit. But as what they say. And we... I found this out the hard way, you know, that life is suffering and the point of life is finding meaning within that suffering. These are all easy statements, man. That looks good like on an Instagram post, man. Like if you're a model or something, you can start throwing some of that Buddhist shit up there because you know deep down you're just looking for an excuse to flash a little skin. I just wish we could be honest. Like, hey, man. I think I look pretty hot in these fucking jeans and his t-shirt, man. I'm going to post the picture so you'll validate it. That's why I post pictures. Because I'm all alone. I'm suffering with this shit. So I'll post a profile picture that, now, that looks reasonably presentable. Because I want validation. Not because I have anything meaningful to say. It's as a base human emotion as that, man. I'm lonely. I'm in a lot of pain. I've set the bar low. Can I get a couple likes, man, so I can move about my day and just feel like I've accomplished something meaningful? And I looked in this space, and like I said, I've, I've run across so many that are suffering way worse than me. And they, but I, I, I hear the same message, you know, that there's no real stories, venues, and, and stuff. And there is and there isn't. What I hope to accomplish in, in this particular series, like I said, the intent of this series is to talk about this injury. I want to do it in somewhat of an organized fashion. And the emotions and stuff between now and, and my surgery, which is a little under eight weeks from now. My intent is... This is not a critique, but a lot of the stuff out there is this toxically positive stuff where everything was like, you know, it's just you're reading somebody virtue signaling throughout telling her whole story. It's fucking slogans and sound bites and stuff. And, and there's not a lot of exploration to the dark side, you know? I mean, we all break, you know? And I think I want to... Just be, these are all trite terms, man, but I want to be as transparent and as real as I can about all of this because it's horrific in the hopes 
I don't know. Just maybe hearing what someone else is going through from somebody else going through it or somebody touched by these kind of life events. And it doesn't have to be an injury. Life kicks us all in the ass, man. So that's the intent. Talk about the details, the injury, the emotions, what I lost throughout this. But first, I'd like to just do a snapshot of where I'm at today and talk about something called No Plan B. So that's the intent of this episode. Episode 1 of our super duper Peachy Keen series. Okay, I was injured in 2016. It was a burst fracture. I can't I don't remember a lot of the details. Don't laugh, don't bust my chops. I was in an office and the credenza the, the shelf tipped over. It was a U-shaped office, and this shelf was like aligned with the desk, and it tipped over and landed on my back. While I don't have 100% memory of that day, that accident, the details still to this day, I can with certainty tell you that this did not happen because I tried to move the shelf in any way, shape, or form. The last thing I remember was trying to plug in something to a power strip, my laptop, the docking station and as I was standing up I kind of slipped and my back touched the and I kind of lunged forward I don't know if I hit the other I don't know what happened next thing I know boom the morning of that accident I was training for the Marine Corps Marathon and I was bit I I, you know I still am a douche but I I took douche to a a different level I was 51 57 now it's been six years. This Sunday, the 7th, will be the six-year anniversary of this day. August 7th, 2016, it was a Sunday. I had a major problem at work, blah, blah, blah. So this happens. Initially, I thought, well, maybe it's just pulled muscle. Luckily, we have a 24-hour operation. Some people from that work there came to my office, and eventually I agreed to have an ambulance called and found out it was a burst fracture, L2. And while that was all bad, I was in good shape, and I'd been hurt before, you know, I, ne- I never would have imagined the ride this would have been. And I will go do deeper dive into the details, but on a high level, they did a fusion, hardware got loose, they put in hardware again, it got loose a second time. Then it started eating me away. I got down to like 105 pounds. I was I was five, almost 5'11". That's when you're under six foot. Almost every it was almost 5'11 and 175 pounds. Now I'm 5'8 now from the accident, but it's down to about 105 pounds, wasting away. And they fi- find the day finally came where they said, "Well, it looks like the fusions held good enough for us to get that loose hardware out." So when they took the loose hardware out, they found out, oh, gee whiz, man, this whole time, you know, that we were off on this other tangent that they thought was the cause of what was going on with me, because my blood work was all jacked up, protein levels, it was a bone infection. Bone infection did its damage, had to have a wound back, the whole bit. This went on for years. Now, in parallel to this, you know, while this happened at work, it wasn't considered workman's comp. I disagree with that decision, but that is what it is. So, I'm missing a lot of work. That's no now. I've exhausted all my sick time and my vacation time, which was a lot. 
Now I have no paychecks coming in. I've got a major injury. I've got no income coming in. I've got this major injury that this is like after surgery six or seven. Okay, we're, we're into 2017. My daughter, who was 16 when the accident happened, and I, I'm divorced, and I had full custody of my daughter. She was a junior in high school, getting ready to head into her junior year. I was very excited. Bought a brand new house for this moment to have this great experience with my daughter for two years. And we had just moved in in May. And I thought I was doing, I didn't think I was perfect. But I thought I was doing a reasonably okay job as a, as a dad, especially a divorced dad. You know, I felt I co-parented with my ex well and all these things. Much like the kind of stuff I was seeing from my employer. See, I was, go I was a golden employee when the day this accident happened. I was in a high-level position. I had a lot of options. I was well-respected. You know, it was good. Or so I thought. And then this accident happens, and I'm reading my employer saying these horrible things about me. And I'm like, they hate me. You know, and, and they're saying things in this that I don't think is true. And so I'm getting angry about this, about the quote injustice of this. You know, my boss is a liar. Why would they do this to me? Why would they turn their back on me? I went in there to support a national problem. We're not staffed properly because of these guys. And they're going to they're gonna run away from that throw some bullshit technicality and try to weasel and, and, and make up a false reality. Or so I thought, okay? You get in my perspective. But I'm getting heated up during this time. Before, before I get to that, my daughter got very angry with me. I found out that, I, you know, in her eyes, I hadn't done a good job. And this, this, to this day, this breaks me down every day. It's going to be even hard to talk about it on the podcast. Because I love my daughter. She's, she's 22 now. She doesn't talk to me. And, you know, that's hard. So I started experiencing the beginnings of losing everything I thought that was important. The daughter told me she hated me and da-da-da-da-da, didn't want me in her life. My employer fucking, they hate me. I got this doctor that's just, you know, nothing's going well with the surgery. And every time there's a problem, they just keep fucking yelling at me. It's all imploding. I'm going to be on the streets any minute. On top of all this, I've got this wound because how they treat the bone infection is they slice you open to the bone and they let the wound close on itself and it was taking forever all these complications it sucked i had nothing there was not one phase in my life that was firing you know nothing and so <laughs> you know it was a bad time so i had this moment though where you know, the bathroom, in my house, you know, you have this main bedroom and then, you know, the bath that's attached. I was falling down a lot. They, they had me on this fucking drug called gabapentin, and I never react well to it. And, you know, their, their fucking answer was always trying to up the dose. And I'd say, look, this shit doesn't work. Can we just, like, fix me? But anyway, sometimes this gabapentin would just, like, out of nowhere, I'd kind of, like, 
fall asleep and fall. That happened to me a lot. And this particular time, it's just almost like an Elvis story. I was on the toilet, man. I like Elvis, and I almost died like Elvis. And I had fallen off the toilet, and I fell in such a way where my nose kind of hit the tile, and it didn't hurt, but, and I'm not a nosebleeder, but for whatever reason, this particular fall caused my nose to bleed a lot, and my head's on the tile, like perpendicular, right? And so I see this pool of blood, and it didn't hurt, and it was weird. I felt like there was nothing I wanted to live for. I was like in the, I was kind of sort of toying with the idea of trying to kill myself in a way that would look like an accident so my daughter would get the life insurance. And so I, uh, you know, I was thinking about trying to crash my car into like, you know, road construction, divider, shit like this. But there was some moment I had there where I felt like, I could have just let go and, and gone. I don't know. It's hard to explain. And it was weird because during that same time in my bedroom, I had like this out-of-body experience where I didn't see any of this, but I imagined it in my head it was like my wake or something. And, my, and it was real sad because it was just, you know, it was talking about how pathetic and how, you know, just, you know, bad it was and how they, they pitied me. And I just felt like, God, I don't, that's, I've never lived my life that way. I don't want to go out that way. You know, I want to at least show that I try as best I could to push back. And I was able to beat some expectations. I was told I would never walk again. And I was able to do that for about five yards. But the big deal was I was able to, between yoga and all this working out and stuff, I was able to get to the point where I could sit in a chair without any pain, which meant I could return to work because my job was just sitting on my ass. And this is my opinion. There was almost like this understanding. They did not want me back. I represented potential financial liability, you know? Plus, now I'm a guy that's done workman's comp. There's this, is he going to have a bad attitude? You know, do we need this bullshit? And while I thought I, I had made these dramatic improvements, they're, they're not seeing that. They're seeing I still got a stroller. I still got this shit. You know, I'm still wincing, you know, this kind of shit. But it was like this kind of detente, which is like, just sit in your office. Don't make any fucking trouble. And we'll leave you alone. But that sucks because you're on the total out. You're just a guy on, quote, special project. But at the time, I was like, fuck it. You know, I'll build up my strength. And this is government service. I'll bop somewhere else out. You know, clean start kind of thing and continue my douchebag trajectory. So I was able to sort of stop or put off the inevitable. And what I mean by this is I was able to sort of return to life in 2019. And during that time, my daughter started college. And it was far from perfect. She wouldn't contact me on any, any at all. But on occasion, we would have a lunch together. And she was trying. And I was trying. And I thought, you know, if I can just be consistent, you know, and... and 
you know, it's got to be hard for her to, to what, you know, from her, you know, on top of all the other issues to go from, you know, to see her dad so helpless and I truly helpless and, you know, falling over from gabapentin. God only knows. I mean, I get it. I own it. But it's hard to repair when you can't get out of bed. You can't earn a living. It's hard to repair when you can't help them when they have a flat tire. You can't be the dad that moves them into the dorm. All those things I looked forward to. Couldn't do any of it. But then right around the pandemic, things started taking a turn where I'm worse now than before the first surgery. The pain started getting worse and worse and worse. I started noticing at first where I wasn't able to sit in a chair long. And I went through this phase where I was blaming chairs, man. And I, I'd buy all kinds of different kind of chairs. And I had these crazy arrangements, you know, because I was trying to podcast. So I tried to set up like where I could podcast and work from a desk, but like from a mattress. It was just like crazy. I started realizing I was getting in trouble. Luckily, the pandemic was saving my ass because we didn't have to show up at work. Working from home for me was, you know, I had things set up in, my, in the main bedroom where I live, in this suburban dream house, right? My desk was right next to the bed. All I had to do was wake up and go to the desk. I was unable to do it. So when the plug was pulled on the work from home, I realized there was going to be a problem. Prior to that, I had seen the surgeon who told me what was going on. It was the bone infection and his other kyphosis had developed and that had become severe and basically was told this is going to continue to get worse and you need to get surgery. The surgery is major, you know, and the recovery is major, but I can do it. And I was in horrific pain. My life now, I have some people move the box spring and mattress into the living room of my house because I couldn't make it to the front door in the kitchen. And this was close to both just in case. And I had little plastic bowls of meal replacement bars and those meal replacement drinks to survive on. Walmart would deliver this. And I had my laptop and my com other computer and the monitors all set up around the mattress. And I'd sit there and I'd try to disassociate. And I'm still trying to make it at work where my job was just sitting on my ass. Anytime I'd have a sick day, I'd take it. I'd burn through my vacation. Eventually, they sent me to a fitness for duty, but that's okay because I knew this surgeon could do the surgery because he said, we can do this surgeon. I said, give me a month. So I was medically retired in January 21, and it was bad. And I had my, what, what I thought was my pre-surgical appointment with my surgeon in February. And by the time that appointment got there, it, I, I can't even begin to describe the level of pain the debilitating because of the back I wasn't able to move and walk and get from point A to point B I was losing weight I was unable to take care of myself I was unable you know I was making these trade-offs you know like oh god you haven't eaten in a day yeah but you know what I'm not that hungry I'd rather not move five feet right now that kind of stuff but I'm like okay that's okay we got this surgery there's relief so there's relief so I was able to tolerate it because I thought I got this pre-surgical appointment. And that's when I was told he couldn't help me. Other doctors told me the same thing. Told my condition was too complicated. So basically, the diagnosis is the horrific pain that I was in was going to continue 
to get worse, and there was nothing that could be done. So I'm thinking, how the fuck am I going to navigate that diagnosis, man? How the hell do you make that work? We're going to torture you the rest of your life. And the torture is only going to get worse every day. There's going to be no relief. These things, they take and they take and they take. It's insidious. These fucking, what, what happens after these things? It's hard not to feel like you're just being punished. Like you're the world's worst person. You're already just insane from it. And they're just telling you right there. Nothing can be done. So things are at a crisis point. And before I get to that, I want to to flash back. Just out of high school. I'm in downtown Tacoma. I'm driving my 1976 Buick Skylark. Blows up. I'm watching it. The thing was on its last legs. This was summertime. I spent the better part of the summer drinking Rainier beer and making poor life decisions. The $40 that this mechanic offered me for that blown up car represented my life savings. I realized I was at a crossroads. I was certainly a fuck up. However, somewhere deep down inside me, I thought there was the capability to not be a fuck up. I barely graduated high school, 1.2 GPA. I, I was directionless. I lacked mental discipline, all kinds of things. I realized I needed a shakeup. If I was going to have, I'm not talking about money, power, you know, that kind of thing, a cool car. I'm talking about just being a functional person in life where you're not a burden. And you're not constantly living in the consequences of bad life choices. So I took that $40 from that mechanic. I joined the Marine Corps. And I didn't have a plan B. If I quit, I had nowhere to go. Where am I going to go? They're like, what's your address? What is this place? Your home address? Here. Not that I was eating up with it. That was just a reality. My home address was here. Or the, the, the corner block where that Buick Skylark blew up. What do you want from me? I didn't have a plan B. In that case, it worked out. Flash forward to the current time, and I get this diagnosis. I realized, while my strategy of smoking weed and doing filthy puppet shows to disassociate myself from reality, that I was no longer capable of doing a lot of really simple things. And my life was no longer sustainable in its current environment. Moreover, there had to be a different answer out there. And I remember a pain management doctor I was seeing. He told me, Will, your case is freaking off the charts complicated. He goes, there's a handful of places in this country that can deal with your case. If they agree to see you, whatever you do, don't be a jerk. Because, you know, when you get in pain, sometimes you act out. There was one doctor that it was like had to drive 40 miles for this appointment. And before the appointment, I said, look, if you're going to just tell me you can't help me, then don't make me drive all the way up there for that because it, it's absolutely... And she goes, oh, that's not what this appointment is. This is pre-surgical. So I go through this because I think it's pre-surgical. And the guy tells me, no, it's just to tell me he can't help me. And I kind of lost it, right? And it got back to my pain management doctor. And I said, I get it. You know, I own my shit. There's no excuse for what I did. It's, it's something I got to stay on top of. 
Sometimes you don't even realize it because you're in so much pain, your facial expression looks angry. I mean, I'll post a picture of myself. Either people will think I'm high or pissed. No, it's my pain face. I'm trying to hold a camera and pose. That hurts. My brother and, and sister-in-law, who are phenomenal, offered something to me. They, they live in Colorado, and they've got a basement that they had totally set up for elderly parents. Well, it just so happened that I'm not the, you know, the original intent that maybe I ought to consider moving here where they can better, they can look out for me a little bit, and I can kind of figure shit out. And I realized that I had two choices. One choice was to, to ride out Oklahoma or do Colorado. Colorado represented no plan B, and let me tell you why. A nice house at under 2% mortgage. I had to get rid of it. I got rid of everything. It's not my brother. It's just heavy. All of it. I can't lift it. I can't take it with me. But not that material shit's important, but we're talking like art. Like I had some great art from artists that were one hell's pilot. It's just this awesome metal sculpture. Uh, by an artist, uh, Brett. Brett McDaniel is a friend of mine. A great artist, but it's just so heavy. You know, every piece of furniture I had had meaning, you know? The, it, the, the things had meaning. It wasn't just random, you know? Anyway, and recognized on a hope that there's a clinic in, in University of Colorado that's one of the handful that does these complicated cases like mine. I, uh... Didn't have a guarantee of anything. Didn't have an appointment. Didn't have a referral. But I said, fuck it, maybe I'll get it. I got the time on my side. I could wait it out. You know, if my brother and sister-in-law, they've given me this gift. Taking this burden and worrying about the upkeep and all the shit of a house. I mean, while my life sucks, my, my responsibilities are minimal because my family. They're, they're saving my life. No plan B. That means if things weren't working out, that's lifetime of pain that's going to exist everywhere but like psychologically i'm not independent this career i talked about that's all gone these things will they will destroy your finances and they break you too it's like take it all and that's where i was at you can have all this shit i just need to get out of this pain and i'm willing to not have a plan b got here june of 2021 through the kindness of a, a locked-in pharmacist here in this small town, was able to see this doctor in Colorado Springs. And this guy played hockey in college, Division One level, had a back injury, while not debilitating, prevented him from playing hockey at that level again. So he decided when he went into medicine to go into a field where he can help people come back from that because it impacted him. So I figured, well, this guy might be somebody that I can kind of connect with. This did not happen for a reason. These things happen all the time. It's random occurrences. There's no big plan. I will never be thankful that it happened. But I can't live in it. I can't be consumed and angry. I got to move on. And let, let's, the surgery schedule for... September. Let's just assume I'm I'm still nervous. Even like I've had the rug pulled out from me, man. You know I'll believe this stuff when it happens, but it's so it just. I'm very fortunate. I've had to wait a long time, and I'm really suffering. 
I don't know how I got, would get through the days right now if I didn't have this on the horizon. What was really torture was not having a date and just saying soon. I'm like, you guys got to give me a date, man. I am hanging on to my sanity by a thread. You got to give me something here. Throw me a bone. But I want to be able to try as best I can to do something that could be helpful. And that's the intent of this. And it may be random because I'm doing these in a lot of pain. And it's hard to kind of stay in focus. I'm doing the best I can. Between now and soon, I'm going to be doing a deep dive into these topics. But to sum it up, where we're at right now is that trajectory. Is no plan B. Waiting for soon. You know, like in boot camp, two a days in football, any kind of challenge, they kind of, they break it into milestones. Like in boot camp, I was like, just make it to lunch. And then, okay, dinner soon. Breakfast, you know what I mean? Pretty soon there's a break coming up. Food, you know? And so that's how I got through it. And that's, I didn't focus on how many more weeks I got left. That's kind of what I'm doing. So, I hope you enjoyed this particular opening. Next episode we're going to do is going to be the day of the accident. And then we're just going to just go forth. I hope that some of this is useful. I'm going to try to be as honest and open as I possibly can. If you or anybody you know has been touched by a traumatic accident, traumatic injury event, I would appreciate feedback or checking this out. It's my intent to make this helpful. This particular series will always be done kind of not live stream, and it won't be sticky. It'll just be straight up conversation, boom. We're still going to live stream other podcasts, and I still need to disassociate. But I want to try to do something uh, semi-adult and serious, and so that's this attempt, and this is episode one of that series. So with that said, from Parts Unknown, Colorado, this is Will Dick from the Art of Floundering Podcast. I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbeam, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast, I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love.